0: thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from pleasant hill baptist church in somerset kentucky please make sure to visit us online at phbcsomerset.com this morning we'll be in james chapter 5 and before you know it we're going to finish up this wonderful little book in the book of james so we'll be in james chapter 5 we're doing a series called genuine faith and um I look forward to us finishing this this wonderful book. James was the Lord's brother. He he came to know Jesus Christ uh, personally as Lord and Savior after the resurrection. And he writes this wonderful letter for you and I. And we're going to talk about that this morning. My message title is called Warnings to the Wealthy and the Greedy. Warnings to the Wealthy and the Greedy. Several years ago, one of the most richest men in the world, John D. Rockefeller, was asked, how much money is enough? And his famous reply, just a little bit more. Isn't that the way it seems to be? How much money is enough? Just a little bit more. Um, Maybe you heard the uh, story told about a clever salesman who closed hundreds of sales with this really good line. You know what he said? He said, Let me show you something that several of your neighbors said you couldn't afford. You'll get that in a minute, right? Let me show you something that several of your neighbors said you couldn't afford, and it worked many times. Someone said it this way We buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't like. Have you ever done that? <laughs> Oh, Hebrews 13 gives us a good word this morning about this. It says, keep your life free from the love of money. Be satisfied with what you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you or abandon you. That's true. Notice it didn't say um, it didn't say anything about having money or not having money. It said, keep yourself free from the Love of money, right? When we love money, that's when we cross that invisible line. And that's when we begin to have greed. And so God's word is a saying to us, stay away from loving money. Be satisfied with what you have. And know that God is always with you. And if God is with you, guess what? That's enough. You don't have to worry about a lack. You don't have to worry about what I'm going to do about this need or this situation or this problem. Because if you have the Lord in your life, then you have everything you need. I want to turn, before we get to James 5, I want to turn to 1 Timothy 6. And I want to remind you of what the the Bible says about a love of money and about contentment. I think that needs to be established as a background here. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, uh, Paul is writing to Timothy, a young man in the ministry, and he says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out. If we have food and clothing, we'll be content with these. But those who want to be rich fall into temptation, a trap, and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money, there's that saying again, that phrase again, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And by craving it, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And so it's not... The issue is not having money or not having money. The issue is loving money. If you love money, that is a slippery slope to all kinds of evil. Why do I say that? Because people that love money will do anything to get it and anything to keep it. And so that's why the love of money is a dangerous, dangerous thing. And so, as Ron Phillips says, there's two questions we need to ask ourselves again and again. How do we get money? Are we getting it honestly or dishonestly? And second, how do we use money? Money? Are we using it selfishly or unselfishly? These questions are very revealing, and they reveal, uh, uh, if we answer honestly, if we are free from the misery of money. Because people that love money and make it their God, they truly are miserable. Look at the rest of uh, 1 Timothy 6 in verse 17. Paul tells Timothy, Instruct those who are rich in the present age not to be arrogant or to set their hope on the uncertainty of wealth, but on God who richly provides us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do what is good to be rich in good works, to be generous and willing to share, storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of what is truly life. And so God's word speaks to those that have been blessed with wealth and material goods. And it says, you know, thank God for what you have. uh, Enjoy what he's given you. But don't be arrogant. Don't put your hope in what you have. Put your hope in God. And then be generous with what you have. And that way you're laying a foundation for the age to come. Now James in chapter 5 this morning is talking to those who are rich and wealthy and to those that are greedy. And he has some stinging words that uh, he's going to say to them and he's going to point to specific evidence that condemns them. But realize that the issue is they love money more than they love God realize that their issue is they have a problem with greed. And that's why I wanted to read those verses in 1 Timothy. Uh, James doesn't condemn wealth if you gain it honestly and if you use it properly. But he does condemn those who have gained it dishonestly and are using it selfishly. Um, Look, if you will, in James 5. God warned the wealthy and the greedy because, number one, they had a hoarding habit. Look in James 5, verse 1. Come now, you rich people, weep and wail over the miseries that are coming on you. Your wealth is rotted, and your clothes are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded, and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have stored up treasure in the last days. Boy, that's a stinging rebuke, isn't it? He is basically saying you have a hoarding habit. You've been collecting all this stuff, and what good is that going to do you? You know, as I was preparing for this message this week, I learned something based on an article that was written last August, okay, August of 2022. It says that more than a third of Americans rent self-storage. And I thought that was interesting. It says roughly 38% of Americans responded to a survey that they've either used or plan to use self-storage in the near future. The uh, leading generation, Gen Xers, that'd be my generation, are most likely to be users at 54%, followed closely by baby boomers at 51%. And what's the most common item in the storage? It's furniture. Uh, Almost one in three Americans say they, they keep it for a piece of furniture in a storage unit. The most popular size is 10 by 10 feet, followed by 5 by 10 feet. And moving is the main reason, followed by not having enough space at home or downsizing. I think we all can say that we keep things that we forgot we have, that we no longer need, but where do we put it, right? And so um, we always got to think about stuff that we have that we don't need that we still try to keep. I like what Ecclesiastes 5 says. The one who loves silver is never satisfied with silver, and whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with income, and this too is futile. When good, things, when good things increase, the ones who consume them multiply. What then is the profit to the owner except to gaze at them with his eyes? Do you collect things just so you can look at them? He says, the sleep of the worker is sweet, Whether he eats little or much, but the abundance of the rich permits him no sleep. There is a sickening tragedy I've seen under the sun. Wealth kept by its owner to his harm. Sometimes we can get in the habit of hoarding. And here's the thing. You can't take it with you. And if you're not going to use it, then what good is it? Luke 6 says, Woe to you who are rich. To you who have received your comfort, woe to you who are now full, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are now laughing, for you will mourn and weep. Um, Many times, the wealthy and the greedy, they they have a hoarding habit. And we can get into the habit of, I'm going to keep everything I can so that I don't have any needs. And I'm talking about a subtle heart attitude where I'm going to get everything I can so I don't have any needs, and then I won't have to bother God. But God says, depend on me for your what? Daily bread, okay? Uh, But there's a second reason God warned the wealthy and the greedy, and it's because they withheld wages from their workers. Look, if you will, in James 5, 4, he says, Look, the pay that you withheld from the workers who mowed your fields cries out, and the outcry of the harvesters has reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. A unique name for God there, the Lord of Hosts or the Lord of Armies to show how powerful God is. And here are these wealthy, greedy, rich people that are in the midst of, of believers that James is talking to. And he says they're withholding wages to those who have worked for them Um Deuteronomy, even the law in the Old Testament spoke against that. In Deuteronomy 24, uh, do not oppress a hired worker who is poor and needy, whether one of your Israelite brothers or one of the resident aliens in a town in your land. You are to pay him his wages each day before the sun sets because he is poor and depends on them. Otherwise, watch this, he will cry out to the Lord against you and you will be held guilty. Now, that's the Old Testament law. If you don't pay them uh, when they need it, when they earn it, then, then they will cry out to the Lord against you and you will be held guilty. And what does it say here in James 5, 4? It says, look, the pay you withheld from the workers who mowed your fields cries out. And the outcry of the harvesters has reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. God knows, God sees, God hears. And that should spur us to action because God knows everything that we do and they are withholding wages from their workers. Not only that, but he continues to say another warning that God gives them is because they lived a luxurious lifestyle. Look, if you will, in verse 5. He says, you have lived luxuriously on the earth and you've indulged yourselves. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. Um, You have... Condemned, you've murdered the righteous who does not resist you. And so here they have lived luxuriously and uh, they have done that uh, at others' expense. It reminds me of the parable of the rich fool that Jesus told in Luke chapter 12. It says, Jesus told them, watch out and be on guard against all kinds of greed because one's life is not in the abundance of his possessions. And then he told them the this, this story of this parable. A rich man's land was very productive. He thought to himself, what should I do since I don't have anywhere to store my crops? I'll do this, he said. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones and store all my grain and all my goods there. And then I'll say to myself, you have many goods stored up for many years. Take it easy, eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. But God said to him, you fool, you fool. This very night your life is demanded of you, and the things you prepared, whose will they be? That's how it is with the one who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. What an instructive lesson that jesus gave us that no matter how blessed we are no matter how prosperous are if we begin to hoard things up and we begin to keep things and say i'm going to enjoy myself and take it easy and translation i'm not going to worry about depending on god because i have all i need and god says you fool this very night your life is demanded and where will this go Who, who will this belong to uh, we can live our life either storing up treasure in this world or we can, in, uh, we can live our life in storing up treasure being rich toward God, okay? And so that is a very instructive thing that he's telling the rich, wealthy, greedy people in the book of James. Then look at the last thing. It just piles up. He's warning them because they persecuted the poor. There in verse 6, You have condemned, you have murdered the righteous, Who does not resist you? They took advantage of good, God-fearing people, and they persecuted them, and they didn't care. Uh, The word "condemn" there in that verse six—it's a judicial term. It suggests that the rich are using the legal process to exploit the weak. It reminds me of just a couple of chapters earlier in James chapter two, when he is talking uh, about uh, favoritism in the church. And in James 2, verse 6, he says, You have dishonored the poor. Don't the rich oppress you and drag you into court. That's exactly what the wealthy were doing. They had leverage. They had money. They had power and influence. And they used the courts to exploit the weak and the poor in order to get their way and to get what they wanted. And James saw through it. You might think, what goes through someone's mind when, when that is the case, and I'm reminded of Psalm 10 that gives us a, a look into the heart and mind of someone that is greedy. In Psalm 10, verse 8, it says, He waits in ambush near settlements. He kills the innocent in secret places. His eyes are on the lookout for the helpless. He lurks in secret like a lion in a thicket. He lurks in order to seize a victim. He seizes a victim and drags him in his net. So he is oppressed and beaten down. Helpless people fall because of the wicked one's strength. He says to himself, God is forgotten. He hides his face and will never see. Rise up, Lord God. Lift up your hand. Do not forget the oppressed. Why has the wicked person despised God? He says to himself, you will not demand an account. There it is right there. There are people in this world that have convinced themselves that there is no God, and there is no right or wrong, and it doesn't matter, and I'm going to do what I want, and no one's going to hold me accountable. There are people in this world that live like that. There are people in this world that think like that, and all I can tell them is that Judgment Day is going to be a rude awakening When every knee bows, when every tongue confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, and everyone will be held accountable for everything they've said and done. Boy, is that going to be a rude awakening for people in the world someday. And that day has been appointed. That day is going to happen. It's on God's calendar. We don't know when it's going to happen, but you can be certain of one thing. It will happen And when it happens, we will all stand before God and be held accountable for everything we've done. No wonder James is pointing out the evidence that condemns these wealthy, greedy, rich people that are exploiting the poor and they simply don't care. And he's simply saying, look, He says, you're hoarding things. Look, you're withholding wages from the workers. Look, you're living a luxurious lifestyle. Look, you're persecuting the poor. And he says, I want you to know that there is a God in heaven. Matter of fact, go back to James 5 verse 1. Come now, you rich people, weep and wail over the miseries that are coming on you. He says, it's coming. God is coming. The Lord is coming back. He will judge the world in righteousness, and you better be ready. And he calls them to repentance. He says, come now, you rich people, weep and wail. He's telling them, he's calling them to repent. And that's something that you and I always need to do. Whenever we realize that we have sinned against a holy God, when we realize that the evidence is there, it's certain and sure and clear, then there's only one alternative, and that is to repent and and turn to God before it's everlasting too late. And that's what I want to encourage all of us to do today. It is a call to repentance. Adrian Rogers said it this way. He said, How sad to rise in judgment. And meet a God that you don't know because somehow you put your trust in riches rather than in Him. Isn't that good? How sad to rise in the judgment and meet a God that you don't know because somehow you put your trust in riches rather than in Him. Today we're going to have a time of invitation. And I encourage you to put your hope in God. Don't put your hope in your wealth. Don't put your hope in your material goods. Don't don't put your hope in all the things that God has given you and saying, oh, I'm good, I'm comfortable, I'm fine, I'm going to make it. You need to put your hope and your trust in the eternal God. Because when the fire of judgment comes and burns everything up, the only thing that's going to last is our faith in Christ and the works that were expressed through that faith in Jesus Christ. So if you'll all stand, musicians if you will come, and ushers if you will come, we're going to have a time of invitation this morning, and I encourage you to respond to God's Word. Whatever God is calling you to do, let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning. Thank you, Lord, for this word from the Word. And Lord, I pray that we would hear your voice. Lord, that we would realize when we have sinful ways. And Lord, that we would hear the call to repent. And turn from our sins and put our trust in you before it's everlasting too late. Lord, this world's wealth is going to pass away. Lord, but you will not pass away. And so, Father, we pray for your will and your way to be done in our lives today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As the ushers come and, and collect the Next Step cards, if you feel led to give, you can do that as well. Or the drop boxes in the back or at the Welcome Center. Also, we can, uh, you can give online. We make it convenient for you. But right now, I want you to think, what does God want you to do? When you hear the Word of God, when the Word of God reads your mail, when God says, look, there is misery coming on those who are depending on themselves and not trusting Jesus Christ, just know that someday there's going to be a judgment day, and one day that day will come, and none of us will miss it. It's an appointment that we all will have where we'll stand before a holy God. Are you prepared for life's final exam? When the day comes that you meet your maker and it's too late to undo or redo anything that you might want to change, when you stand before your maker, are you going to be ready? My prayer is that you'll get it right and get it ready right now. Uh, my grandfather used to say, the Bible won't say get ready. It says be ready, and that's true. You need to be ready to meet Jesus. We don't know that life is so short. Life is so uncertain. You, you don't know how much time you have, but you need to be ready to meet your maker. And so today I hope and pray that you'll put your trust not in riches, not in wealth, not in the things that you can acquire, not, not in what you hope to do in the future, but put your trust in God and trust Him. Be satisfied with what you have. Learn to be content with what He's given you and know that if you have Him, you have enough. Father, have your will and your way in this invitation and in this service today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church. To learn more about the church, find out meeting times, or learn how to contact the pastor, please visit phbcsomerset.com.